0: Good morning to you all. My name is Chris Kimmons, and together with Nick, who is just up here, we are the pastors here. We're actually off on annual leave on Thursday. We start annual leave. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. That was 20 quid well spent, wasn't it? We've been looking at this series, Boulders. Let's just pray. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Can we? Is that all right? Let's do that. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you all the time. Just come, please. Come. You say, apart from me, we can do nothing. Oh, God, we need you. Thank you, Lord. Do take a seat. We've been looking at these, sustainable power. Do you know what? So, uh, right now, I even just thought pop to the My out. didn't. There is a, a heaviness on me right now. And I'm just, I've just been, even while I was worshipping, I'm just asking God, what is it? What, what is this thing? I can feel slightly trembly, and I know it's the weight of God. I know he is asking me to say something to you that I feel so uncomfortable saying but I know it needs saying. And I know that this talk, I am not going to offend you, but I'm probably going to manage to offend at least a third of you by what I say. It's not me offending you. If you really want the blunt answer, it's a religious spirit that's being offended, and I'm just simply speaking out the truth of God. That's all I'm attempting to do. So I can feel that weight on me right now. I I can feel it there and that's what what is causing this. If you're waiting for a, a thoroughly, wonderfully ordered talk, then you honestly have come to the wrong place because we're into transformation here and sometimes what God does is not actually seemingly very ordered. It's actually sometimes a little bit chaotic. I think that this theme of gratitude or ingratitude, as I said earlier, I... The, one of the boulders isn't ingratitude, not, not according to the book, Sustainable Power, but ingratitude isn't even in there. So I started preparing the talk on a fence, which was what was scheduled to be talked about today, and just not, nothing doing. I couldn't get it to hang together. Well, technically it was shaping up to be an awesome talk, but it ain't an awesome talk if God's not asking you to do it. We're not up here to be great orators if you want a great orator, then find a podcast. We're up here to be real and to try and bring about transformation of this church and this community. That's what we're here to try and do and to try and steer the ship as best we can. So sometimes we might even get a bit muddled. There there might be a sense of disorder. There's all kinds of things because actually I'm just more interested in listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying and that's what I want to be able to do. But I became overwhelmed this week by the problem that we have as a culture around being ungrateful. And I would love to say that Asher Vineyard has escaped it, but it just hasn't. It just hasn't, and that's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for me because, as the Bible says in the Old Testament, as the priest are, so are the people, not like I'm a priest in that sense. But also this is a church I'm part of, it's not my church, it's, um, it's Jesus's Bride, I'm just here for the time being. So obviously the theme of all this boulders stuff is that there are boulders in the way, that there should be rivers of living water flowing out of us and the principle is that if this is not happening then something must be blocking the flow and Without a doubt, God has asked me today to speak about ingratitude. And it is, frankly, it's a little bit painful. There is a saying that gets said, I I only hear it in vineyard circles, but I'm sure it goes beyond the vineyard circles, which is never beat the sheep. That's you. Never beat the sheep. Never tell people off. So I, I, I'm, I will not in any way be telling us off this morning. It's not like that. That's not what it is. But I do want to see if I can bring about a conviction of the Holy Spirit in you that I am experiencing in me over being ungrateful. That's, that's what my aim is. Is that all right with you all? Are you, are you open to like God challenging you over something, nudging you in the ribs over something? You open to that? Good, that's 17 of you. Apologies to the rest. There's a big wide door there if you at any point need to leave, which I hope you don't. I will, I will cover the two things that I feel God is asking me to say as I progress. So being ungrateful, I think, has reached epidemic proportions. And I looked up epidemic because I thought, I don't want to use like daily mirror language for the sake of it to try and grab people's attention. And I looked it up and it said... A phenomenon that was pervaded most of society or culture and I thought oh, this is an epidemic I'm I am justified in using this word sometimes in fact very often our ingratitude leads to a sense of entitlement does it not do you not see entitlement in other people's lives do you not see entitlement sometimes when you look in a mirror I do And it's a slightly tricky one with God because there's all kinds of things that we're entitled to because he has made us entitled to them and they're actually a gift. And Paul, Paul, New Testament church planter, Paul, he said, this is nothing you could do. This is nothing you can boast about. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. But we see entitlement all over the place. And the other thing that comes with ingratitude is apathy. I can't be bothered. what oh, whatevs. All that stuff. They are both so ugly and so contrary to what God's heart is. I am grateful that for all the times I've said whatever, God never, ever looks at me and says, whatever. He never, when I approach him in freedom and confidence, which I'm allowed to do and invited to do, as it says in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, one of the letters, can approach him in freedom and confidence. I never approach him and he says, yeah, I'm a bit hot today, to be honest, just. It's so right for you, Chris, i are not having to deal with Australia. I mean, goodness, you've just woken up. I mean, honestly, the problem's going on over there. God's just never like that with me, and he's never like that with you. And I've noticed that gratitude has got absolutely nothing to do with possessions or absence of them. Nothing. This is me, actually, a few years ago. I think you can probably spot which one I am. Uh, it was uh, probably about 16 years ago. That was me in India. I went out with three other guys. Alan Mint on the left, who has now gone to be with the Lord. He died last year. Jamie sortel next to me, who is now at Rayleigh Vineyard, and he uh, is one of the leaders there. And Carl Beach on the far right uh, of Christian Viewpoint for Men or Vision for Men, Message Trust, and now... Redeemer King Church in Chesterfield, and we went out to India for 10 days. And what I saw in India was poverty that was devastating. And if anyone's ever been to India, many parts of Africa, etc., you will see a poverty that takes your breath away. This young man was in this sort of community, a very, very poor community. And we went in to visit this community, and this actually was a, a little church inside this community, typical Indian thing, they, it's a bit like Africa from what I gather, but not that I've ever been. They said, oh, when are we, when are we leaving? Oh, soon, soon. Well, about three hours later, we finally left. Uh, How far is it? Oh, it's just up the road, not far. That was four hours and we ended up literally going down dirt tracks and ended up in this community. You did actually wonder whether you were going to make it out of there alive type thing. You know, are there cannibals about to jump out on us or that sort of cliched thing. And this young man here, he, um, he right there, he's praying. He's about 10. And I will come back to the rest of this church in a minute. But they treated us honestly like kings. That former picture, this one here, we're in a different place there but they treated us like kings and with such honour. As it happens, this picture here that you can see of the four of us, we were invited back to one of the community leaders' homes afterwards for the scrawniest, naffest, most awful bit of chicken that you will probably ever taste, and it cost them about a month's wages. But they gave it to us. So in this particular community, this one with this boy, they brought out chairs for us. And when I say chairs, you know those white plastic patio chairs that you have that potentially, by the time they get way past how these ones looked, um, you would have replaced them by now. They were like that. And they had to try and find anyone in the community who had one of these that they could bring them in so the four of us could sit down on this platform. And then they gave us bottles of thumbs up. Who's ever drunk thumbs up? Anybody? Okay. It's like um, a curried Coke, Coca-Cola. And they drink it everywhere. Everywhere anyone's got some money, they, uh, they drink thumbs up. So bless them, they got bottles in especially for us. And they gave us these thumbs up. The gratitude that we had visited, the gratitude that this community showed despite being poor was something incredibly special. And I'll come back to this lad a bit later on because I want to tell you a bit more about it. <clears throat> So this is Jesus now. He had just healed. Well, you'll find out. Let, let, me, let me tell you the whole thing. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Pause. Now, it's worth noting that Some of you will know that the Samaritans and the Jews didn't massively get on. They were kind of related, uh, related by uh, marriage many years ago, hundreds of years before. But the the Samaritans were considered not really proper Jews by the Jews. And that's true, they weren't Jews. Um, So the Israelite community loathed them, like despised them. Okay? Okay? If you're a Liverpool supporter, think Man new. Okay, It's like that, only probably more. So here Jesus was, and they're saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Oh my goodness, haven't got time, love to go into that. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, And thanked him. Now, I don't know what throwing yourself at someone's feet looks like to you, but it isn't this. That's not throwing yourself at someone's feet. This man had such overwhelming gratitude that he found Jesus, he'd just been cured of an incurable at the time disease, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, well, well, we're not all 10 healed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The, the, there's so much you can pick out of this, but basically the entire point is gratitude That one man who came back got something that the other nine didn't. He just got a connection into Jesus' heart that the other nine didn't get. The other nine were just healed, if you know what I mean. Do you see that? He's just made a connection with Jesus that the other nine missed out on. How about this? This is Paul uh, writing to the church in Philippi. He says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, we thanksgiving present your request to God. Now, this passage is never used about thanksgiving. This passage of the Bible is always used about praying with prayer and petition. Actually, it says in the message translation, it says, Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. It's lovely. It's beautiful Um, and really good. But anyone who knows anything about English grammar and language will spot that the two words I have put there are what's called a subclause. They could be bracketed. They're not necessary for the sentence. So you can read the sentence without, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. But this is a subclause. This is something that Paul has made a point of adding in. Don't be anxious... About anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Here's this theme again. Here's this theme again. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place. But instead, thanksgiving. So easy to miss. We see that as a list of don'ts. This is Paul again. This time he's writing to one of the churches he planted in Ephesus and he's writing back to that church. He would have got reports uh, about kind of what was going on. People told him things and he is writing back saying, This is the stuff I'm hearing. You're not supposed to use your voices for all those things. That's not the stuff you're supposed to be up to. You are supposed to live a life with thanksgiving. That means being grateful. You live a life of being grateful. I urge you, first of all, this is again, this is Paul um, writing to Timothy, who was a pastor of a church. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, anyone who is looking in this room to bring life to Ashford, this verse is key. He wants everyone to be saved. Jesus wants everyone in a relationship with him. So you can go on to, into, back into Ephesians and you can start arguing predestination. Just imagine the easiest way to understand any sense of predestination is that God already knows the choices you're going to make because he knows everything. But everyone is invited. He wants everyone to be saved. But look how you should pray for people. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Give thanks. There he is again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. When was the last time we were grateful for Ashford Borough Council? When was the last time we prayed for the Queen? When was the last time we prayed for Theresa May? Instead, what we sometimes do is we go on marches to shout our hatred towards the government. Total opposite of what we're being told to do. We're supposed to be grateful. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but you can be grateful for people you don't agree with. I'm incredibly grateful for Nick, and we disagree on stuff. But you can still be grateful. Right? Yeah? Okay. Good. So I know, I absolutely know, and I knew this to be true. And I kept saying to God, God, I know this. I know this in here. We have the mind of Christ. I know this, but I can't think how to verbalize it. I can't think what the answer is. I know that if we are not grateful, if we don't learn to remove the boulder of ingratitude, we are not going to see God move the way that we want to. And I'm like, God, give me some Bible on it. I can't, I can't find it. I can't pin it down. I know it in my Noah." Type thing, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to verbalise this. I know this. If we want to see God move in the way we dream of seeing, then we have to develop an attitude of being grateful for all that God has done and is doing. We have to become a people who live in gratitude. And I chewed on this further and I said, I'm not satisfied, God. The Bible tells us we have, to be, we have to have an attitude of gratitude. Forgive me. The Bible tells us we have to have that. But it's not enough for me. God, I want to understand, why have we got to be grateful? I get it, and I know it in here, but why, why does gratitude matter? Why does coming back and saying thank you matter? Why did that matter to Jesus? Was it manners? It can't be more than manners. And then I realised why gratitude matters. Because gratitude opens up hearts. Let me explain. Imagine someone offers to pay your house mortgage off. you are like overcome because of the gift depending on what size your mortgage is the person has offered something of themselves to us and our gratitude is what is what returns that approach that they've made to us in giving something to us gratitude isn't going thanks Anyone who's got kids in here will know that they can say thanks and not mean it, right? It's not about saying thanks. It's not about going tar. It's about genuinely being grateful in here that overflows in the word thanks. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. So let's, let's just switch this around a minute. You now decide that you are going to pay off someone else's mortgage. That's very kind. I'll give you my bank account details. You decide you're going to pay off someone else's mortgage You make this big gesture, you feel you're just being obedient to God, you're doing this. And then the person doesn't even seem very grateful. Now, you can say, well, that to some extent, that's okay, because I've been obedient to what God's asked me to do. Absolutely right, you have. But can I ask you something? You have paid that person's mortgage off, and they barely said thank you. Is your heart disposed favorably towards them? No, you will be everything you can do to not be calling them an ungrateful thing, blank. That is how you would feel. Your heart, your relationship between the two of you, because of the absence of gratitude, the heart hasn't been opened up. If anything, it's been shut down. Gratitude opens up the heart. It kind of greases the wheels of relationship to both the giver and the receiver. I thought about this and then thought, oh, of course, thank you, God. You've already said it. Enter his gate, says Psalm 100, with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There it is, right there. You enter that relationship with thanksgiving. That's how you get into a relationship. You start being grateful for the other person. That is what a relationship looks like. That is how you connect with God. That's why you tend to praise first. So, Very terrible, really, but in many ways, praise is to thank God for what he's done. And to worship him is to enjoy him for who he is. You really should be writing that down. Praise is to thank him for what he's done. And to worship him is to enjoy him for who he is. And so what we see here, praise starts with gratitude. It's thanks, God. Oh, God, thank you so much for this. Thank you, God, that I even have breath in my body. I thank you for the sun outside. I thank you that we're exactly the right distance from the sun, that we don't get frazzled up, nor do we freeze to death. I thank you for all the water on the planet. I thank you for all the relationships you've given me. I thank you that your faithfulness is expressed, even in the seasons, which are never going to give up. It's very easy from that point to move into, because God, you're so good. I'm not now talking about what he's done. I'm talking about who he is. You can take that as some intimacy advice as well. Start with gratitude and then move into telling the other person what you love about them and what you value about them. So back to this main point. If we want to see God move in the way we dream of seeing, then we have to develop an attitude of being grateful for all God has done. This is the point. So what does this actually look like? Well, here, I will actually quote um, the book, uh, Sustainable Power, because he realised, actually, even though gratitude isn't like a chapter in the book, he realised that he had stopped celebrating all that God was doing. So he made a deliberate decision, I am going to celebrate every time I see God do anything, because I am going to create in this place a DNA, a culture where we celebrate every time God does something. So every time someone gets a new job, well, that might not have been God. Yeah, but it might have been, so let's celebrate it anyway. Why not celebrate it? Well, because I'm British. You're not. If you've said you're yes to Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven, and in heaven, we're grateful. So we need to get over the Britishness. Oh, I'm just shy. There's no shyness in heaven. Get over your shyness. You don't understand, Chris. You're not shy. You would have no idea what I'm like. Just because I can stand up the front, you have no idea what I'm like about being shy with people or not. You just assume because you see me at the front. Oh, Chris is great with anyone. Do you know what? Often I leave it to Nick. She's genuinely really good with people. I'm a bit like I'm a bit grumpy old banish. Like it's like it costs me to be with people. So once I've spent that allowance, I'm like it's not that I don't love people, I love people. I really genuinely do, and my heart goes out to them and all that kind of thing, but but we need to lose some of this stuff. We need to stop making excuses for it. We have so much to be grateful for. Back to this little lad, because we need to finish. This is the rest of the church. The little lad was over, as you look, he was over here. They didn't have chairs. They didn't at all. And we'd driven four hours. We got there, as I say. We, we were sat here, here where you can see up on the stage. I think, uh, I think Carl did a little talk. We had a little bit of worship. I, I remember nothing about that particularly. We had a little, uh, little talk that Carl did. And then we started praying. You can see, actually, um, in, in the white shirt there, Alan Mint has already just started praying for people. I have never been in an environment like this. And what happened was, as we went out to pray for people, the Holy Spirit fell in a way I have never seen before and never seen since. I don't remember laying hands on a single person. I didn't need to. As I got anywhere near them, they were out on the ground. And it's nothing special. It was nothing special about me. It was the same for all of us. By the time that service finished, there was hardly a person standing because they were all on the floor either worshipping or they were just out for the count in the spirit. I have never been in an environment like it. I was, it was absolutely, utterly overwhelming. And these people had virtually nothing, but they had gratitude and it was their gratitude that fueled their hunger that said, God, we might not have much, but we need you. We want you. We have so much to be thankful for. So I think we need to be a bit more like Elijah, who when he prayed for rain, he sent his servant off, and he sent his servant off, and he sent his servant off. Can you see a cloud? No. Can you see a cloud? Go again. I've only just been. Go again. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And then eventually the man comes back. His servant comes back and he says, I can see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And Elijah says, rain is on the way. Because he focused on that cloud. Gratitude means you focus on that cloud and you say, rain is on the way. God is absolutely desperate to rain in Asher Vineyard and across the whole of Ashford but we have got to focus on the tiny cloud the size of the man's hand and be grateful for it, and that's what's going to amplify it and cause it to blow over this way. The next thing the Bible says is the sky was filled with grey clouds. Isn't that amazing? I wonder if that would have happened if Elijah hadn't sent his servant to go and spot for the small cloud. Amazing. Amazing. Let's stand. I would love just to quickly pray for you and for me. Father, we are desperate to see you move. We are desperate to just not do church. We are a charity, but beyond that, we are the bride of Jesus. And one day the church will be married to Jesus. We are so much more than a charity. I thank you that even just contained in this room is some wisdom, loads of wisdom that's needed to solve some of the issues in Ashford, that we have the mind of Christ as you've given it to us. And I pray against anything religious that would seek to twist any words that have been said this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bring conviction where conviction is needed, including thank you on me as you have. And I pray against guilt and I pray against any shame. And instead, we ask you, God, to stir our hearts afresh for you. Help us to repent where we need to, just turn away, change our thinking, and say, actually, God, I do need to be more grateful. I want to amplify everything I see you doing. I want to make sure my Facebook feed is at least 75% gratitude. And the other 25% can be a weird shaped vegetable or something. God, we want to be people who are constantly speaking up what you're doing. We are a thankful people. And God, we want to see way more than we are. Help us to focus on the things we are seeing. We want to see a hundred people healed. We're seeing five say, God, help us to be grateful for the five while going after longing to see the 95 too. We love you, Lord. Thank you that we are your children and you teach us, steer us, correct us, hug us, love us. Amen.